On a quick glance at this episode's title, you might think we're talking about the DeSicas, the Kenneth Angers, and the Cassavetes that made anti-Hollywood films, thus being part of the underground film movement. But you would be wrong, because that's a highbrow topic, and that's not why you come to Slums of Film History. You come here for the actual horrible things that are underground, the mutant zombie chuds that, that climb out of the sewers to eat rich people's dogs. You come for the mutant praying manises that disguise themselves as people in the subway tunnels of New York City. You come for the alien and killer clowns that emerge from underground to kill kids every 27 years, and of course you come for sloth. Today we go deep into the ground, all the way to the Earth's core, and back to find out what's lurking below down in the ugly underground. This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from amputation, masturbation, menstruation, and castration. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. How are you today? I'm good. How's it going? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm excited about today's topic. This was one of my first ideas when we were actually coming up with this. Oh, wow. But we joked about how you literally did nothing in the past year and a half while I was doing everything. But you (laughs) did get a movie-related tattoo, your first tattoo, and it's a big one. Yeah, so I got this tattoo last year. It's kind of a long series of events I won't relay here, but it involves having a fake tattoo that wouldn't come off. At, at a kid's party and it looked kind of cool and it just kind of grew on me because I couldn't do anything about it because it was stuck on me pretty good. Yeah. Like the fucking thing wouldn't come off. Yeah. <laughs> so I started thinking about it and I had a milestone birthday last year and so I was like, fuck it. And I'm a big fan of Alien though. So I got the tattoo artist to basically give me a biomechanical arm in the style of H.R. Giger's work on Alien. Yeah. And you worked with the tattoo artist, which is what you're supposed to do, everyone. You're not supposed to drunkenly go in there and pick something out of a book. Yeah. You're supposed to get an original tattoo, which Tom did. He works with the contours of your arm and yeah. just did an amazing job. How many times did you go? Uh, Five, five sessions. Five full day sessions. Yeah, yeah. It looks just amazing. And it is a, it is big and aggressive. Yeah, I wasn't going to piecemeal it. I was like, if I'm going to get a fucking tattoo, just go all out. Yes, we'll do it. And so I did. And oddly enough, they are kind of addictive because I'm thinking about my follow-up piece that's going to match this, but probably be on my leg. Yeah. Well, welcome to the world <laughs> of heavily tattooed people. I've been, I've been there for a few years. Yes, you have. I'm actually planning out my next one, which is going to be my entire back. And it is Goodness. also movie themed I'll tell you about it once I start getting it done yeah it's gonna take a good 20 years to get this one done so hopefully I won't be dead by then mm-hmm. the other funny thing that we have been doing is we have gotten into it's honestly you started but I'm way more into it than you are yeah, is at this point yeah. collecting vintage movie posters and we talked about it a little bit at one of the previous episodes but I've gone 
nuts into Absolutely it. Absolutely fucking crazy. Nuts with it. into yeah, it, which is, you know, just typical of anything that I dabble in. One day later, I sell the whole house and buy every vintage movie poster that I can find. So specializing right now. And of course, Joan Crawford, that's kind of the <laughs> niche that I found for myself. I sell a lot of it too. So that's kind of how I managed to afford all of this. I buy them and sell them. And I pretty much turned my apartment in West Hollywood into a museum of vintage movie posters. Um, Every wall is covered and I helped you move a bunch of them when I was there visiting this past time. Yeah, because I switch them all out. So if I get new ones, then I take them all out of the frames, take everything down, put it all back up with the new ones, sell some of it, keep some of it. I am not nearly as ambitious as Slate is. I don't have any Joan Crawford, but that's not (laughs) true. not everybody can be as cool as me with their Joan Crawford memorabilia. Well, fair enough, fair enough. But so I collect them too. I need to find space for them because the way I have my house it's kind of not laid out the same if i continue to do this i need to find the space and you need to find space for the malibu high poster i do i'm I'm proud of that one that one's going up next i need to find a good spot for that but i'm excited about my malibu high poster when i gave it to tom for christmas and when he opens it he said i hope you didn't spend a lot of money on this and i said don't worry i didn't (laughs) um i don't know anybody who would charge a lot of money for a vintage malibu high poster no but i was excited to get it but counterpoint i did spend a fairly pretty penny on a pink flamingos poster it's like Mm -hmm. the italian one or spanish Spanish. Mm -hmm. and i got on ebay but wasn't cheap but it was awesome and my plan was to get john waters to sign it at christmas time because i went to the john waters christmas show that he does every year but like there was no autograph table set up for after the show people were just bombarding the stage to try to get him to sign shit and i grabbed this fucking thing and i swear i accosted that old man like sign it (laughs) Sign his goddamn post. I scared the shit out of John Waters, and he signed Slate's poster, which is now proudly hanging on your wall. So. It is. You remember we hung it? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, when so, you were there. Yep. So yeah, that was my Christmas present. To I Slate. love it. It's my favorite. So like I mentioned, this topic I came up with before we even started season one, but I always centered it kind of around Goonies and the descent, and that was pretty much it. And it just didn't really have a lot of, it didn't really have a lot of juice in it. But what's funny is, is that in the past couple of years, there's been a couple of new ugly underground movies. Um, And so it kind of gave me the opportunity to pull that topic back up again. And then we watched one of them over the holidays. And so I thought, well, this is great. When you got me drunk and convinced me to do the podcast, I thought of that episode immediately and then I pulled this one back up again so yeah. I think this would be good I won't spoiler what those two movies are because they come at the end so so today we're talking about movies where humans go underground and something bad and crazy unusual happens mm-hmm. that may seem oddly specific but in true slums fashion we don't really talk about happy things like love and friendship and world <laughs> peace uh, or it wouldn't be slums of film history it'd be just a show about movies right. so I'm not talking about movies where people fall in love on the subway or even die on the subway like when Fox gets pushed onto the track and a train hits him in the Warriors. It's just not enough for right. the episode. Yeah, yeah. There are some sci-fi movies in the 50s and 60s where the underground is explored, but again, something insane has to happen. It can't just be like layers of shale and yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. else is under the ground. That's the only thing I remember from Earth Science class is shale. Shale. There's a lot of shale. Yeah. But I did do a little bit of research here. I did about four sentences of research, but I thought that it would help. So I'm going to tell you what is below the Earth. Okay, I'm excited. 
happen. And um, besides shale, right? Right, but the shale is not a part of this, okay, apparently. Thank you. Yeah. This is your earth science lesson today. So Excellent. there's obviously the earth's surface, so that has land and trees and oceans, and that's called the crust. The highest point of the crust is, crust is such a gross word, uh, Mount Everest. That's about 30,000 feet above sea level. And the deepest part of Earth is underwater in the Mariana Trench. And that's about 36,000 feet, which, you know, I don't understand feet. So uh, it's about seven miles deep. Okay. Nothing lives under the crust. Nothing. Nothing. Under that is the mantle, which is 1,800 miles deep and is basically a buffer between the hot-ass middle of the Earth and the crust, which, you know, obviously can support life. The mantle is solid rock, so the shale is probably in there somewhere. Yeah. The outer core is under that, and it's liquid, iron, and nickel. It's around 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and then below that is the core. The core is a little bit of a mystery, because obviously nobody's ever been down there, unlike in the movie, the core, which we will talk about today. Oh, great. I'm excited. Um, but based on what we know, it's probably iron-nickel alloy, and is basically a giant ball of lava that's as hot as the sun, which is also 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So very, very hot. Mm. I don't know the difference between the outer core and the inner core. They sound pretty much the same, but I also don't really care that's where the no. science of this stops and the movie part starts okay thanks so the first film that we're going to talk about that really fits the bill of ugly underground is the movie unknown world from 1959 okay i've heard of this rough plot some scientists want to find a place under the earth in case of nuclear holocaust up uh, nuclear holocaust Look at that. that's probably why you know about it yeah. it all ties together so they have a submarine type of thing that goes down into the ocean and they find this like underground or underwater cavern type of oasis in the earth's mantle that can support life it's not based on in facts that's not true right it even has phosphorant light and so they all get excited because they're like oh my god we're gonna live down here and they've got all these rabbits i don't know why but when the rabbits mate they give birth to dead baby rabbits and so like something underneath here is basically forcing it to become sterile so they realize that like it can't sustain life they'll never be able to reproduce there so they're like we got to get out of here but then a big giant volcano erupts and it kills one of them so they have to leave and they don't think they're going to make it out alive but then they do and they resurface on earth so that's where the ugly part of the underground starts it's volcanoes and dead baby rabbits so that's a little bit of foreshadowing too yeah yeah a little weirder was the mole people from 1956 (laughs) this movie opens with the premise that while the hollow earth theory has long been disproven there are many stories from it and this is one of them although this is also a mystery science theater movie so who knows yeah the mole people were discovered by archaeologists and there were these humans in monster costumes that are being held as slaves and they're food gatherers for a different tribe of albino underground society. So Makes it's sense. Kind of, yeah. yeah, it's like a social hierarchy caste system. Okay. The reason these people are albinos is because there's no light except for this beam that's coming through the top of the cave, which is actually light from our world, from the sun. But they think that's God. They also think that the archaeologists are God because they've never seen anybody except their own albino selves and these mole people Mm -hmm. but then one of the archaeologists die when they're down there and so everybody is like wait they're not gods our whole life is a lie the mole people revolt and they're like we don't want to be slaves anymore and food gatherers for you and so everybody's trying to get out of there and then also one of the albinos of she this is what they call them i don't even know if albino is the right term to use but this is this is what this movie is okay they call them albino so i'm calling them that too If if that's incorrect someone let me know then she abruptly just dies for no reason. I think she like falls off of a cliff and you mm. just kind of have like no idea why. But when I was doing the research for it, basically the studios were afraid 
that the archaeologist, he had like a love interest and they were like, it's promoting interracial marriage because she was an albino. And so they had to kill her so that they didn't fall in love. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So I haven't seen this movie and by the looks of it, the mole people are just kind of like almost like the sea plot here. But I'm going to show you what they looked like anyway, because they're they're pretty great. Okay. Mole people. Okay, so I'm turning my computer so you can see the mole, the mole people. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Holy fucking shit. Look yeah. at that. That is something. You know, they're wearing... Do you like the eyes blink or anything? Or is it just like, oh, I'm a mask and this is what it looks like? I don't think so. Like. I think it's just a mask. And then they've got those hand gloves too. Yeah, it's um, pretty And pretty so they just, they don't yeah. really look like moles. They look like monsters. Um, yeah, they look like lizard people. Y- like lizard of, people kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, we're not going to take it anymore. Fuck you, albinos. We're going we're gonna to fight. Okay, the original Journey to the Center of the Earth from 1959 has like a 50-page plot on IMDb, and so I'm just going to streamline this a little bit. Yeah. The movie is based on a Jules Verne novel, but it basically centers around a geologist and some other people that descend a volcano in Iceland. Yeah. Down inside, they encounter, but get away from a bunch of deadly dimetrodons, dimetrodons, great, which look like a cross between a stegosaurus and a giant lizard. They also find an underwater ocean and ruins of Atlantis. They find a giant mushroom garden, meaning that the mushrooms are like human size. There's a lot of mushrooms in underground things, I guess, because they're fungus and they grow, they grow in their own dark environment. Yeah. And, okay. and, and, you know, that's probably the only food that can grow down below the Earth's crust. Mm-hmm. There's earthquakes. There's active volcanoes. There's a giant chameleon and a giant whirlpool, which is basically the center of the Earth. So there's a lot of shit that goes down here. This movie's from 1959. Yeah, We're not clearly. talking about the remake yet and it was a pretty successful movie it made about 10 million dollars at the box office in 1959 so that's pretty good yeah and it was nominated for three technical oscars speaking of oscars this was remade in 2008 which is probably what most people remember mm-hmm. um, and it starred new oscar winner brendan fraser um, oh i forgot you know just that. won an oscar so now didn't he have like a bunch of kids with him and it's like hey kids we're gonna go to the center of the earth or yeah it was shit. kind of like a, it's more of a family adventure um, i've actually seen this movie it's kind of embarrassing that i watched it on a plane but i was like as you know when i get on a plane it's i get on a plane full of zequil and like (laughs) shitty red wine like airport bar red wine so um sometimes i watch movies that i'm and i really enjoy them and i have no idea what's going on and i don't Mm -hmm. remember anything i remember that the special effects were like pretty shitty yeah even back then on a little tiny airplane screen anyway so this is what they encounter down there when they go down they see giant venus fly traps prehistoric sea monsters volcanoes and they also have dinosaurs like real dinosaurs the one from 1959 was kind of like creatures that are made to look a lot larger than they are. Yeah. This is like actual, you know, like Jurassic Park dinosaurs. Pretty bad reviews uh, on this one, but it did actually make some money. All right. So next up, we're going to talk about two films that focus on the Earth's core. And then we're done with the sci-fi exploration movies because everything after this minus Goonies is horror movies, Good. which is obviously what I really wanted to spend most of the time talking about. Yeah, so me too. Let's start with At the Earth's Core from 1976. And this is a really good transition movie because this is the first time we're really seeing a depiction of straight up like hell underground 
At the Earth's core is about scientists that end up in a strange underground labyrinth ruled by a species of giant telepathic flying reptiles. So these are more like hellfire and damnation and all creatures and the devil and Satan and yeah, yeah. everything they teach you that hell is like. That's kind of like what this movie is about. I was, you're making it sound pretty good. It actually, like I didn't watch this movie, but I watched the trailer and I was like, this shit looks crazy. It was the scientific marvel of the century. A mighty juggernaut to blast through the solid rock of the Earth's mantle 4,000 miles into the heart of our planet. At the Earth's core, the astounding discovery of a strange forbidding land, a primeval nightmare world whose shadows hid the nameless terrors that were yet to come. Humans of another age, chained in bondage by an army of ape men, preyed upon by monstrous giants. <laughs> Behind a barrier of molten lava, an empire of evil, an inferno ruled by winged creatures like guardians of the gates of hell, a host of Satan's nourished by the flesh of sacrificial maidens. Take the most terrifying journey of your life. Edgar Rice Burroughs at the Earth's core. The other things that are down there. So I talked about the telepathic flying reptiles. There's mahars. I don't know how to pronounce that, but it's pterodactyls with parrot-like beaks. They're gross looking. It's full of prehistoric beasts and cavemen and another race of people that are being kept enslaved. That's a thing, apparently. I'd never even heard of this movie, but from what it looks like, it is insane. It looks like it was intended to be a depiction of actual hell and, and that idea of what people think hell is like. Oh, wow. But if you remember from my episode on Deals with the Devil, Heaven and Hell are not in the Bible. Those have been conceived since then. And so, you know, that idea of like heaven in the sky and then for today's purposes, hell being underground or hell being below the surface of the earth is essentially was made up and doesn't yeah. really make a lot of sense. But, you know, here we are. Here we are. So let's now talk about the terrible sci-fi disaster box office bomb, The Core from 2003. <laughs> let's starring. do, let's do that. This movie had Aaron Eckhart, mm-hmm. Hilary Swank, and Stanley Tucci for some reason. Right. That's kind of an insane cast for a movie that does not even on paper sound like a good idea. This is during the time where like disaster movies were having kind of like a comeback in the early 2000s. There were a lot of remakes of disaster films, and yeah. Poseidon and, you know, all yeah, of that. Yeah. Environmental of, disaster type of films. Exactly. Yeah. And this one was kind of like a kind of a combination of a bunch of those. It also has like earthquakes and, and nuclear slash light. I don't really know. I just watched the trailer. <laughs> the shitty effects look super super terrible they're now. really bad yeah. I, I think probably the Brendan Fraser movie effects probably look better than this yeah, yeah. Effects. I think one of the biggest complaints about it is like there's nothing dynamic to see in the earth like it's just magma right. and yeah so that's, there's nothing that's, down that's there. a very yeah. limited color palette and so it's basically got a what looks like a subway car going through magma right that's not very exciting no no and so what they did was I mean by the trailer I watched the trailer one time and so I'm just <laughs> presuming this and I'm not watching the movie to fact check myself either but but what it seems like is that they were like okay well that's not very interesting so they put a whole bunch of just there's a lot of scenes of lightning hitting major landmarks (laughs) like the pyramids and the empire state building and there's lots of explosions and stuff like that so so the reason why all these major landmarks are exploding and lightning's hitting and then everybody's dying is the earth's this is in the movie 
The Earth's molten is not in real life. The Earth's molten core has stopped rotating, and these scientists have to go into the core to restart it, or everyone is going to burn up. That's what I wrote down. I guess that must I, I, think, I must yeah. have researched that. I don't know. I blacked out. Mm. I'm glossing over the science here, but 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 so did the movie. Right, <laughs> the right. movie has a a zero percent scientific fact went into this. Right. Actually, Dustin Hoffman of all people started a campaign to get more actual science into sci-fi films because he thought the movie The Core was a disgrace to modern filmmaking. Weird. And then apparently there was a poll taken about the worst science in sci-fi movies and it was given to scientists and The Core was number one. It actually beat Armageddon where Bruce Willis oil drilled through a meteor hurling towards Earth and as I totally forgotten threw a nuclear bomb in there. Yeah, blew it apart. So that's The Core. Also this movie made no money and got terrible reviews. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was garbage. Yeah. All right. That's it for science movies. We are moving into a different, a different. I'm excited for this transition into horror. Do you remember what CHUD stands for? Of course I remember. I've Mm -hmm. talked about it like eight times. Yep. It stands, want me to say it? Yeah. It stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dweller. That is correct. Beneath the city of New York are living catacombs, an endless maze of subterranean tunnels unfit for anything human unauthorized for anything experimental hold it there's something moving up ahead at the top and unlikely to bring anyone down there so they're coming up chud cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers they're not staying down there anymore. So the premise here is John Hurd is a former fashion photographer. Now he's photographing New York City's homeless population, and specifically those known as undergrounders or people who reside in the city's sewers and subway tunnels. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a real thing. So this is something that does exist in the world. They did not make this up. No. So these people, according to Wiki, are called mold people and so they're the real mold people not the ones that i showed you that are you know people with masks and you know they're people that are experiencing homelessness that form communities in underground train tunnels Mm -hmm. so there was actually an award-winning documentary called dark days where a first-time filmmaker lived among these people for many months and helped get them housed when new york city and amtrak tried to force them out of the abandoned subway tunnel so there is a documentary made about that yeah i know about dark days but all i know about is that dj shadow did the soundtrack Mm. It's a, it's a great movie. Yeah, I mean, really, I've heard. I've really heard it's really great. good. Yeah. So back to Chud, the photographer and a cop start investigating missing people, and they think that they're being abducted and killed by basically the mole people, the unhoused underground community, but it's actually monsters living beneath the streets Mm -hmm. they were once human but they've been mutated by radioactive chemical toxic waste and now they're hideous flesh-eating creatures that prey on the homeless who live underground and they start running out of food down there so they start coming to the surface through the sewer manholes to feed right of course we talked about chud during my toxic waste episode because the other thing that lives underneath new york city and other cities that you didn't mention was toxic waste Uh uh, according to the movies right so Mm -hmm. the two go together 
hand yep. in hand, and here we are with Chud. Chud is not a good movie, no. unfortunately. No. Boy, does it look like a great movie, and yeah. it is not a great movie. It did manage to pick up a pretty solid cult following because it kind of even doesn't really even pretend to be a good movie. Mm-mm. It's more of an idea than anything else, and if you can get on board with cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, then you probably won't be disappointed. No, caveat, it's not good, but it's enjoyable. Yeah, it right. is a little disappointing. It's not a great movie, but no. you know. But I want to talk a little bit about what chuds look like because there's some definite similarities between the mole people and chuds. Oh, certainly. Mole people look more like armadillo shelled people and chuds look kind of like slimy skinned animals. But chuds have glowing eyes, which makes sense because they need to see in the dark train tunnels where mole people had that beam of light coming down from a hole in the ground. And then, of course, in the first movie, we talked about the phosphorant light. So there's always going to be that kind of because there is no light down there. And that's the only way that living things can survive is with light right i'll be talking about light a lot in this episode and kind of how the how the movies dealt with the light issue underground all right awesome so let's talk about my favorite movie ever i don't think we've ever really talked about it here and that movie is the goonies from 1985 (laughs) yeah i don't think we've ever had like a deep discussion about the goonies we've mentioned it and danced around it in other episodes but never really discussed it yeah it's it's great you know i hate kids movies just because i'm an adult and i like adult themed movies but this is one of the first movies that i saw in the theater when i was a kid and so it had a lot of of impact on me Mm -hmm. and of course it's all about kids and rejects of course i loved the rejects because i was you know a little gay kid so i also had a vhs copy of it too you know one that you taped over or whatever and Mm -hmm. i must have watched it a million times i know every word to the goonies still and then also topical of this year you've watched me get extremely emotional a few times after kihu kwan won the oscar almost 40 years later for everything everywhere all at once yeah and that just made me so happy but how many times did you watch me tear up when i talked about it when you were here every single time that you mentioned it it every single time you're doing it right now Dreams are something you have to believe in. I almost gave up on mine. To all of you out there, please keep your dreams alive. By the way, he played Data and Goonies for those who live underground and haven't (laughs) watched anything lately. It's the happiest I think I've ever been watching the Oscars. So, rough plot. A bunch of kids on the Oregon coast find a treasure map and set out to find it so they can prevent the yuppie golf course from foreclosing on their homes. But they get entangled with a crime family who also want the treasure and there's a race to see who can get there first. Mm -hmm. The underground part begins with the treasure map leading the Goonies underneath a closed restaurant where they continue to find a series of underground tunnels, booby traps, dead bodies, water slides, and then ultimately a cave where One-Eyed Willie's pirate ship has been trapped for hundreds of years. So once they kind of get into that restaurant, they pretty much spend the whole rest of the movie just maneuvering their way deeper and deeper underground. And then, of course, they find the treasure at the end. Mm -hmm. All of that is super fun, but I want to talk for a second about the character of Sloth, Mm -hmm. a special needs member of the crime family who has been kept chained up and out of view for the rest of the world. This is interesting because you see this kind of character in almost every movie we've spoken about today, like in The Mole People, The Cavemen, and Race of Enslaved People in At the Earth's Core, and of course, The Chuds, too. Mm -hmm. Sloth is clearly in this movie to add to the Goonies roster of outcasts, but I should mention that one of the themes today is that while we're fascinated with things that are underground, it's also the place where we put things when we either A, want them to go away, so like Sloth and the Goonies, they want to keep them completely underground so that nobody sees him and 
and ridicules him or the Fratelli family. Yeah. Or we also put people underground when they're dead, and we also want them to go away. We're going to talk about that more in a few minutes. So I'm moving into the 90s, and I want to talk about two movies that brought some new ideas into the ugly underground. So just to catch you up so far, we've got mole people, we've got sloth, we've got chuds, we've got dinosaurs, giant lizards, and a lot of fire and brimstone. But Guillermo del Toro actually brought mutant insects to the genre in mm-hmm. 1997's Mimic. Yep. You seen this one? Yes, starring Oscar winner Mira Sorvino. Yeah. This movie's not good. Not a good movie. I enjoyed it, but I I haven't seen it since around the time it came out, so maybe I shouldn't see it because it probably doesn't hold up very well. I'll tell you in a moment one of the reasons why I don't consider it to be a good movie. Okay, I look forward to hearing it. So rough plot, New York is full of roaches and Oscar winner Mira Sorvino develops a mutant breed of insects similar to a praying mantises that eradicates roaches. It also mutates itself and turns into giant human-sized insects that live in the subways and sewers and can mimic human behavior and of course kill us all Mm -hmm. I don't remember this being a good movie maybe I'm wrong but Bob Weinstein was a real asshole through the whole movie and he kept trying to fire Guillermo del Toro because he didn't think the movie was scary enough like his brother Harvey who's now (laughs) in prison for being much scarier than a giant praying mantis community living underground but del Toro he lost the final cut approval and dumbass Bob Weinstein edited the movie himself Uh, of course he did yeah I don't think I knew that before I decided Mimic was a bad movie. I saw it relatively recently because I I either talked about it on Big Bugs or I decided I wasn't going to talk about it because I didn't like the movie. But right. I've seen it recently. I've seen it in the past five years. And I remember not liking it before I knew that, that any Weinstein had anything to do with it. Well, let me add, I think over the years there has been a Del Toro cut of there that has. movie. Yeah, he released his own cut. But I don't think that was any better received than the original cut, to be honest. I could be wrong. Yeah, it was like a little bit longer and it was different, but I don't think it. And it didn't like officially get, I think he like put it out on his website or something like that, but it it didn't even get like a DVD release or anything. A completely different approach here was X-Files Fight the Future from 1998, which long story short, had the government in denial of alien life on Earth in a few different fun ways. Opening of the, you've seen this, haven't you? Yeah, it's been so long. Yeah. So the opening of the movie begins in prehistoric times where a large extraterrestrial life form kills a caveman and infects the other with a black oil-like substance. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to 1998, a boy falls into an underground hole and is infected by the black substance, which seeps up from the ground and crawls into his body like little black worms, and it makes their eyes go black. Mm -hmm. Remember that. We eventually get to Antarctica, where Mulder and Scully find an underground alien vessel complete with frozen alien bodies, and the alien spacecraft rises from the ice and disappears and of course Mulder's the only one that sees it Scully is like unconscious Mm -hmm. and he's like aliens and she's like what I don't believe you she's on her phone right yeah Yeah, it's always like that I love that so that's our first alien species underground but not our last Mm -hmm. let's skip ahead a little to talk about Cloverfield from 2008 and 10 Cloverfield Lane from 2016 okay Cloverfield was J.J. Abrams found footage film about a giant 300 foot tall alien that appears in New York City one night and destroys everything it sees found footage movie Mm -hmm. very good one also has parasitic babies that fall off of it and kill people specifically in the subway tunnels where people escape to avoid the giant above ground horror you know the main monster there I love that part I love bugs anyway I mean they're terrifying to me but that's why I like them but I did like the fact that instead of it just being one giant monster because you can get away from a giant monster but then they're like oh we're safe down here in the subway tunnels and all these little pair they're not little it's like the lice that were on the big monster fell off and, and they were yeah 
not chasing people in the subway. I love that. And even better, when they bite you, you explode. I love that. That was great. <laughs> That's that was how great. you die. Yeah. You explode like 10 minutes later. It also so. works really well that this is a found footage movie because, of course, everything is like super dark. Right. And, you know, obviously underground, very, very dark under there. But the effects are good. Well, yeah. and it solved the underground problem that you're talking about with light. Because if I remember in the one big scene where a horde of them are chasing them, you know, they've got the night vision function of the camera right. on. And so... A, that's easier to make the effects look good because you don't have to put as much like color detail in mm-hmm. it so the monsters still look pretty good, but it solves your, your light problem. There you go. Yeah. The underground element has an even bigger part of 10 Cloverfield Lane, unofficial sequel, and uh, honestly, there's no reason to even call it a sequel. In that movie, a woman gets into a car accident and wakes up in an underground bunker with John Goodman and another guy because apparently there's been a huge disaster outside. It's either aliens or nuclear war, and they have to stay in there for a few years and kind of wait for it all to you know go away so they can go outside the whole movie takes place underground right but in a bunker this time so and you don't really know if it's real or not if they're just crazy and they abduct her i think that's played for most of the movie where you i haven't seen it but i've kind of read enough about it but doesn't it play off of that or whether Mm -hmm. you know you don't or not at first you're like oh my god this is real and then you're like no this isn't real and then you're like no it is real it goes back and forth Mm -hmm. so it keeps tricking you It's, it's very it's like a psychological whodunit but spoiler do you know what happens at the end it's real it's real spoiler she gets out but aliens have actually invaded again like in cloverfield yeah Yeah. and the spoiler for any type of movie that's like this if you if you're watching a movie that has some sort of fantastical like premise and they play it up as though you know it's real or not real nine times out of ten it's going to be disclosed as actually existing in the movie that they want to show you the the goods so they're not gonna be like psych it's the same real yeah yeah, it's, I thought it was a great movie. Actually, yeah. really, I, lo- I love both of them. Very different. Yeah. And I added this last movie as I was finishing this episode because I remembered from Stephen King's book, It, that Pennywise, the dancing clown, was actually some type of alien force that landed in Derry, Maine via an asteroid like a zillion years ago and was embedded into the underground. You remember this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot. This force terrorized Earth in a lot of different ways, but in both movies, obviously the Tim Curry made-for-TV version in 19. And then the newest version in 2017, this alien force appears mostly as a killer clown that lives underground in the sewer systems and then comes out to kill kids every 27 years. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, Stephen King got the idea of Pennywise from the troll that lived under a bridge in the children's tale, The Billy Goat's Gruff, but instead made him a scary clown that lived in the sewers. You probably remember that he preys on children and takes on the form of their biggest fears to feed off of them more easily. And the only way to defeat him in the book, at least, is called The Ritual of Chud. You remember <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird? It is weird. That wraps up the underground aliens part of this, and we're back to regular old underground humanoids and monsters after that. I just thought it was funny that it was called The Ritual of Chud. Yeah. I don't know why it's called Maybe. that. He wrote it before Chud came out, so whatever so now we're going to stay in the 2000s and there's three interchangeable and extremely forgettable films that i want to talk about i didn't know about any of these three but it is good foreshadowing for one of the big movies we're going to talk about so the first one is the british film called creep from 2004 and it's about a woman who falls asleep on the london tube and is eventually confronted with a disfigured mentally disturbed man who was born that way to a surgeon father who it seems like ran an illegal underground literally underground abortion clinic and for some reason now tortures people and eats rats 
Note the similarities here to Chud and Sloth from The Goonies. Yeah, yeah. The cave from 2005 was about a group of divers, and they go into an underground cave to find out why a bunch of explorers from the Cold War era disappeared without a trace. After a crapload of jump scares, they encounter a group of monsters that can run, swim, and fly, and look kind of like you crossed a human and a bat together. Okay. This is due to some type of parasitic being that crawls into humans and morphs them into monsters. So while they initially think that the earlier explorers were killed by the monsters, they actually are the monsters. So there is some similarity there to those little parasitic things that are, you know, sitting on top of the Cloverfield thing and, you know, go through and kill people, make them explode. And this one, they get inside you and then turn you into a monster. Gotcha. Not you, but in the movie. In the movie. In the the forgettable film. Yeah. In the forgettable film, The Cave from 2005. (laughs) Not in your real life. Note the similarities to Mimic and the mole people here in this kind of topic. And the third film is Cavern, also from 2005, which smashes all of this together with a group of cave explorers who find the remains of plane crash victims underground. They get picked off one by one by an unseen monster until they find out that the monster is actually the only survivor of the crash. Of course. 30 years ago or whatever. Now he's a grown-up young boy disfigured by the crash. And for some reason, instead of trying to get help as being the only survivor, he crawled into an underground cave and he ate people. All three of these movies had terrible reviews and none of them were profitable. Yeah, I can see. And all of those movies came out around the time that The Descent came about, which we're finally going to talk about. Finally. Yeah, I love that movie. Out of everything we talk about today, I think this is the best film in this episode. Rough plot, six women descend into an unexplored cave and become trapped. Act one centers around the claustrophobia around being trapped instead of jump scares, which is what most of the other horror movies focused around. In act two, they see their first crawler. And this is a pale humanoid creature that has been apparently surviving off of animals for God knows how long. They discover that the crawlers are blind from having lived in the dark, but respond to sound as they pick off the women one by one and eat them for their survival. So these aren't just like like monsters living in there and for no reason they're just monsters and they just kill people. They are actually... I mean, I guess humans, they're humans. That just evolved underground. That evolved underground. And they're really pale, translucent skin. And they're fast. Yeah. And quite agile. Yeah. If I remember correctly. And there's male and female and kids. I mean, it's a Mm -hmm. whole underground community and they've, you're led to believe that they crawl out at night and grab animals and bring them in. But of course, now these human beings have gone in there and gotten trapped. And so they're feeding off of the human beings now. I like them. I like those crawlers. (laughs) They're good people. Good people. The main character, Sarah, successfully kills a bunch of them and decides she's going to get out alive. Uh, The crawlers kill the rest of the women, except the one that had an affair with Sarah's dead husband. So she stabs her in the leg and lets the crawlers eat her alive. She finds a path outside. She gets out and depending on which version of the movie you saw she either gets out alive or she hallucinates that she gets out alive and the crawlers all approach her from every angle so this is a british film Mm -hmm. but for american audiences the ending was too bleak to let her die so they let her get out but the truth is is that in the original version of the movie it was a hallucination she does get killed at the end guess which ending i like better i couldn't possibly guess i don't know i know you're a happy ending type of guy so i love it yeah so of course the the bleak one yeah 
The Descent was a huge critical and financial success. It made almost $60 million on a $4 million budget. Critics and audiences love the claustrophobia, the darkness, the hopelessness, and most of all, the simplicity of the crawlers. In most of the films we've talked about today, the explanation of the creature living below ground has either had too much bad scientists, something like the mole people, the cave and mimic, or no actual science, chud at the Earth's core, or creep. The Descent has kind of just enough science, and mm-hmm. it's relatively believable. A tribe of prehistoric cave people that have evolved underground and have remained undiscovered in the vast unexplored caves of the Appalachian Mountains? Why not? Right. Yeah. And it's worth noting that it still looks great. Yeah. And it looks great because they use practical makeup for these creatures. I mean, if it was made now, it, yeah. it would, they'd be CGI uh, and they would awful. instantly be dated and it would look like shit. But yeah. they, they're creepy. They stay creepy because it's fantastic makeup effects. But also, there's killer lighting in that movie. Yeah. It's filmed beautifully. Oh, it's it great. It really is. Yeah. We mostly talked about the fictional horrors of the underground to living people, but we haven't really talked about what we mostly use the underground to do, which is bury dead people. This dates back to at least 100,000 years ago, but it's pretty much evident in every human society since the beginning of time. And that brings us to our next film, something a little different than everything else we spoke about today, which is Ryan Reynolds and Buried from 2010. I was wondering if you're going to bring this one up. Yeah, a little different, though. Rough plot, Ryan Reynolds is an American civilian working in Iraq. He wakes up buried in a wooden coffin with only a Zippo lighter, a pen, and a BlackBerry phone. He must arrange for a ransom to be paid with these items or the coffin will fill with sand. He spends the next 90 minutes trying to be rescued through a variety of different calls and survival techniques with the items he has and also making peace with the fact that he probably isn't going to make it out alive, which he doesn't. No. Yes, 911. Buried in a coffin in the ground. You have to help me. You have to help me. I can't breathe. How did you end up in the coffin, sir? My convoy was ambushed. I got hit in the head. I blacked out, and that's the last thing I remember. I'm being held for ransom. I need five million dollars, or I'll be left to die here. Okay, Mr. Conway. Wait, 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 the thing with this movie is that it ratchets up the tension and you hear them trying to dig him out and you're thinking like, well, I'm spoiling this movie, but you're thinking like, oh shit, it's a race against time because I think dirt was starting to seep in yep. and they're digging him out only when they get to the coffin, they're in the wrong location. They're in the wrong one. They're yep. not even anywhere near him. And yep. so then the, he finds that out and then he, yeah, he perishes. Yeah, it's fucked it's, up. I, I did actually see this in the theater. Oh, um, did you? Yeah, very. I, I really like this movie. On the topic of burying the dead, let's talk about As Above, So Below from 2014. I never saw this movie. I haven't either. Yeah, no. I was about to watch it for this episode, and then I read a quick synopsis of it and saw that a it was a supernatural movie, mm. and b that it was a found footage movie. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, I don't really. It's this movie came out in 2014. It came out 10 years ago. I have lived my life fine without it. <laughs> Seeing it in 10 years, I think I'll be fine. So you know, it takes place in the catacombs in Paris, and yeah. I have actually 
been there. Did oh, really? I ever tell you, tell you this story? No, no, you never did. I travel a lot for work. Yeah. And whenever I'm traveling, I'm very lucky to usually be traveling with producers. And producers do everything for me. They might as well wipe my butt when I'm done on the toilet. They <laughs> do nice. everything for me. They book the hotels. They book the restaurants. They tell you where to go. They just do everything. Mm-hmm. And so periodically, you know, I'll be on this work trip. We'll have a weekend to ourselves. And the producers will book all of these little excursions and stuff like that. It's how I've seen a lot of things free on somebody else's dime. Yeah, um, that's nice. But we had this producer, a good friend of mine, and she really wanted to go to the catacombs. So I didn't even know what the catacombs were. It's a giant underground tunnel where Paris dumped six million bodies in the late 1700s because they were running out of cemetery space. Mm. But then in the 1800s, some guys, I wrote probably gay, went down <laughs> there and was like, somebody should tidy this place up a little bit. <laughs> And so now there's all these like walls made out of perfect arrangements of skulls and femurs and spines and stuff. And somebody went down there and made art out yeah. of all these dead bodies. Yeah. And it's super, super cool. So when when you get there, you know, you walk in, you buy tickets and they take you down there. It's really deep. And you just go down stairs for like a really long time. You just keep going. And right at the point of where you're just like, go, you're about to be in the movie, The Core. Right. And then they're like- You get like, past the crust. Right, yeah. yeah. And then they're like, we're about halfway down there. And the producer is just like, I'm not going down any further. <laughs> and the tour guide was like, "You ha- there's only one- way like you have to and she was like i'm not going down i'm going back up and he was like you can't go back up because it's basically like a single file line to mm-hmm. like get down the stairs and there's all these people behind me and she was like i ain't going down there and she turned around and just like excuse me i heard her going excuse me excuse me excuse me excuse me Damn. for like a mile all the way back up wow. and she just went up and she found the place of like you know where you come back up you know from above ground and she just sat there and waited and played on her phone and she was just like i just all of a sudden had a feeling that i did not not belong there and I did not want to be down underground and I thought that was so funny that she was just I mean I didn't really feel great about going down there either but I'm kind of like this is what we're doing I guess it's fine and she was like fuck this I'm getting the hell out of here she saw Chud probably she was like yeah she heard about Chud the crawlers and she was just like she's like no nope hard pass anyway so I thought that was funny I didn't write anything about as above so below because it looks stupid and (laughs) I had that story instead that story is much more the catacombs is really interesting I, I took a bunch of pictures down there it would be a cool environment for a movie so that that's a cool idea but i heard the execution was garbage two more movies to talk about and the first was the original inspiration for this episode when i talked about the new movies that came out and that movie is us from 2019 oh yeah yeah so we talked about this a little on my previous episodes but we were talking more about the shooting location being connected to the lost boys in santa cruz right but i want to talk about the significance of the underground aspect of this film because you're gonna see a lot of today's themes in this episode come together here. Rough but very simplified plot in present day doppelgangers of everyone in America we think show up to kill their counterparts. Right. These copies of us are the untethered. They're carbon copies linked to every one of us designed by the government to control us but abandoned and confined to a giant underground lair and forgotten. We learn at the end that as a young girl, Lapita Nyong'o's tethered copy somehow found her way out and switched places with her 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. The below ground Lupita Nyong'o has unionized and mobilized the kind of slower but also aggressive untethered people to come above ground and take back what they've been denied all these years. So this is obviously symbolism for the haves and have nots in America. should also mention a few more callbacks to movies we talked about previously. Throughout us, there is duality everywhere, but there's also symbolism in the similar masses. So Lupita Nyong'o 
Rambo's Michael Jackson thriller shirt, which features zombies all dancing in perfect unison. Mm-hmm. The Hall of Mirrors, where multiple angles of Lapita Nyong'o are shown at once. The Hands Across America references. And then for today's purposes, the rabbits. Remember, we started off talking oh, yeah. about rabbits here. Mm-hmm. They're everywhere when you go down into that underground layer. The internet has a lot of feelings about the rabbits, but it's easy to see the connection between rabbits as the creatures we test on, just like the tethered, were kind of a government test gone wrong. Right. And of course, remember the first movie we talked about, Unknown World from 1951, where the scientists were all excited about finding an underground layer, but they tested it on the rabbits and found out that the layer made them all sterile and it killed all the babies right so obviously parallels there too Mm -hmm. also just for fun the zombie like murderous tethered from us that had their own underground society and the crawlers from the descent are not that unlike each other right especially in you know two movies that are filmed underground they aren't that far away from chud either which is a VHS featured in the beginning of the movie, if you remember. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, when young Lapita Nyong'o is watching a commercial for Hands Across America. Remember what the fourth VHS was after Chud? So there's Chud, there was the right stuff, the man with two brains, obviously the duality between right, the tethered right, right. us, and then the last movie was The Goonies. Oh, yeah. Nice. The final movie I want to talk about is the one that you and I watched together over the holidays right before you convinced me to do this when I was drunk, and that Mm -hmm. movie is Barbarian from 2022. Yeah, yeah. Talk about a plot twist you didn't see coming. (laughs) I'm not going to spoiler this one, unless you decide you want to. I'm not going to spoiler it, but I'm I'm willing to talk about it. Okay. So, rough plot, a woman looking for a job gets an Airbnb in a rundown area of Detroit because she can't find a hotel. When she gets there, she realizes it's been double booked and she has no other choice but to share it with hot but scary Bill Skarsgård, who ironically played Pennywise, the dancing clown in It, who also lives underground. Mm Mm-hmm. Hot Bill Skarsgård in Barbarian is actually not the monster in this movie like you think that he's going to be. Um, He gets killed by a monster, an underground monster, pretty early in the movie. And then Justin Long shows up to sell the Airbnb. And that's when we find out who the actual monster is. Not going to spoil it. It is a very similar premise to some of the other monsters that we talked about today. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Any thoughts on Barbarian? So, no, I. it was a nice surprise threw you for a loop and I, yeah. I like that because you know that doesn't happen much these yeah days. it's a fun movie yeah it's fun did I really it. well at the box office made a lot of money yeah. good reviews like this is a good one that's why I didn't want to spoil it it just came out so yeah. it's kind of like let's not spoil that one yet. yeah give it a shot though yeah. I recommend it yeah so you can see some patterns in this episode we went from an albino race of people living underground in the mole people to an albino race of people living underground in the descent we also see aliens that have been buried in the earth for centuries like in the X-Files and in It we see modern people also sometimes resembling monsters i.e. communities of unhoused people living underground like in Dark Days and then turning into toxic waste mutants a la Chud. You also see what death looks like according to the movies in things like Buried and As Above So Below in the catacombs and you see individual people looking different and being treated differently like the enslaved mole people in the mole people and sloth from the Goonies as a way of essentially burying the living so we can keep them out of the daylight since they don't look or act like what we think is acceptable in polite society. So I covered a lot in this episode. I mean, you did. Yeah, you did. what do you think? No, it was good. It was very interesting. I like that you focus more on horror because there are some movies that came out like City of Ember, mm-hmm. which deals with underground society because the environment's fucked up or something. I don't know anything about that movie, but I know it's based on a book. Yeah, it was on my original list. Yeah. Yeah. But one movie you forgot, Alligator. Oh, Alligator. Yeah. Yeah. It's based on an urban legend of 
critters that grow underground right. because they're flushed down the toilet in the sewer and they just sort of like alligators grow and mutate or whatever and become a problem i can't yeah. believe i forgot i love that movie yeah i love, I love the movie alligator. too it's great it's a real fun one it's also got a little bit of a uh, satire you know and it has a little bit to say too like it's not just a dumb creature movie yeah. you know it's, it's a little smarter than your average monster movie well this is a good episode good. Was a good time. i thought it was fun yeah and i'm glad i finally got to do it so well thank you everyone hope you enjoyed the ugly underground and we will see you next week yep have a good one bye thanks for listening to slums of film history you can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find the links to some of the movies we talked about today and also be sure to check us out on facebook and twitter where we share a lot of additional content and if you like the show or have any comments or suggestions please drop us an email at slumsoffilmhistory at gmail.com or write us a review on itunes we'd love to hear from you and as always please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out we're not professionals just two friends that love gross movies You know, mimic obviously being the um, uh, mutated. Um, uh, Try that again. Mimic being the mutated uh, uh, praying mantis. Mutated being the the. Who cares? <laughs>